This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is WBEZ's Weekly News Recap. That's right, almost too much important stuff happens during the week. Maybe you hear a headline. Maybe you miss it completely. Well, that's where we come in. Coming up, someone you know may have paid a lot to jump the line and get the COVID vaccine. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is facing a torrent of criticism for steering thousands of vaccine doses to communities developed by his political supporters. About a month later, Bruce Rauner, the former Republican governor of Illinois, shelled out a lot of cash to the governor's campaign. There's more than bulls and blackhawks at the UC. Thousands of people are all signed up for appointments at the soon-to-be-opened United Center mass vaccination site. And for the first time in memory, someone not named Mike Madigan is the leader of the Illinois Dems. Congresswoman Robin Kelly will replace Mike Madigan as the head of the Illinois Democratic Party. We're here to take you inside those stories and more Marianne Ahern of NBC5 and Paris Schutz of WTTW. Paris, Marianne, let's jump right into this news from Springfield. Over the last few weeks, Mike Madigan stepped away from the speakership, then his state house seat, and now his chairmanship of the Illinois Democratic Party. That last mantle has been picked up by Congresswoman Robin Kelly. Marianne, this is pretty historic. It was historic. The first woman, the first woman of color, and someone that Governor Pritzker did not necessarily want. His choice was Alderman Michelle Harris. It was a bit of a proxy fight of Senator Durbin wanting Robin Kelly, and that's who got the seat, and now uh, Pritzker has to live with it, and he's the one who will be on the ballot in 2022. Madigan has been head of the party and had a firm grip on it for more than 20 years, since 1998. Paris, What do you think the main differences between Madigan and Kelly could be? Oh, my God, there's so many differences. I I don't think Kelly's going to have the same kind of firm grip that Madigan had. I mean, it was a top-down party. Madigan and his aides controlled everything. And there's a lot of concern among some Democrats that Kelly wasn't the right choice because being a federal office holder, she is prohibited from raising state and local money herself. She acknowledged that she can't do that, but she wants to decentralize a lot of the functions of the party so that it won't be so heavy handed from the top. Other folks across the state can raise money. There will be committees to try and recruit candidates. They do know that they need to improve their numbers in downstate areas, the metro east area. So she says it's not a liability that I can't raise a lot of money myself, uh, that we want to decentralize that function. Mm. Marianne, tell us more about Robin Kelly's priorities as head of the party. What do you think we can expect coming out of the gate? 
I do think, as, as Paris mentioned, she is someone who is going to be uh, more inclusive. She is also going to look across the state at other races besides just the Illinois House races that Mike Madigan focused on so much. Kelly ran for state treasurer in the year that not only she lost, but David Miller lost. And they felt a little bit like maybe if the Democratic Party had helped them a tad bit more, they might have done better. So she comes with that background. I see. And I uh, do, obviously, the first thing out of the gate is going to be the 22 race, Pritzker, Tammy Duckworth leading the ballot. But there will be those statewide as we redistrict. What changes might be out there for her that she's going to have to deal with, and it is going to be, as I mentioned at the top, a much more inclusive effort. Mm -hmm. And she's going to have a really difficult job because traditionally the party in power really struggles in the midterms. So she's going to struggle to maintain those super majorities in the state house, maintain the governor's office, and as Marian mentioned, with redistricting. We know that Mike Madigan's number one goal in redrawing the maps would be to draw as many Democratic districts as possible, and draw Republicans out. Will that be Kelly's goal uh, as head of the party? We're not so sure. Well, turning to another story, one that flew a bit under the radar this week, former Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner got in a bit of hot water down in Florida. Paris, what's going on with our old governor? There was a $250,000 donation reportedly to Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida right around the time that Former Governor Rauner's little enclave in the Florida Keys got its own vaccination site for seniors. And, you know, it reeked of treatment, um, especially since we know the equity numbers are, are not good here. Well, down there, very wealthy enclave got its own vaccination site right around the time Rauner gave this donation. He, of course, told Marianne, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing wrong with what I did. He did not deny it, although he, you know, he did not absolutely say he got a vaccination. He just ignored that question. So I'm taking that as a yes, he did. But that is not official. But um, at the same time, and he wasn't quite 65 yet, you know, when they, uh, they came, these vaccinations were given in January, and he turned 65 mid-February. Um, and he, his text to me was, DeSantis is doing great work. Um, and he, he said, uh, this is a non-story. Marianne, I'll stick with you. Illinois now has 18 mass vaccination sites, and the feds are helping the state open the United Center as a 6,000-dose-a-day site. How significant is this? Yes, the United Center, which has started taking the appointments just yesterday, and I believe something like 30,000 seniors have already signed up, will begin that vaccination process on March 10th. We're going to hear more today, no doubt. They have until Sunday at 4 o'clock for seniors only to sign up, and then after that they will open it up to others in the 1B and the 1B plus category. So uh, with 110,000 Spots, I believe, at the United Center over the next eight weeks. I can't imagine that there would be unused uh, doses of vaccine when so many are anxious. And it does continue uh, places like Tinley Park and Displains and even local pharmacies, although there have been some questions recently about Walgreens and the ability to get onto their website. Hmm. It's been quite tough for folks to do that. Yeah. But the governor was very confident this morning that by mid in March, which is really just in a week or so, and into April, that we're going to see much, much more vaccine available. I talked to a lot of 
community-based physicians that say they're, they're not so thrilled about the United Center site and some of these mass sites because they think the way to get trust, and trust is still a problem in the vaccine, is to have it in your community provider, the doctor that you know. You're much more likely to trust getting the vaccine if it's from someone you know, as opposed to, you know, go, going to this mass site, calling a mass phone number, going online, and getting it from someone that you don't know. So, well, I, I'm sure, as Marianne said, all these appointments will be used up at some point. The way to really penetrate all communities and, and get herd immunity here is to is to make sure the vaccine is is in your local community provider and given by your local physician. Another story that probably should be getting more attention right now. Marianne, 40,000 people just lost unemployment benefits in Illinois after a federal extension ended last month. Now, more are expected to lose benefits in the weeks to come as well. Who's getting hit the hardest here? Just hard to believe that 40,000 just in the state of Illinois. And these are, are people that have had the benefits leading up to this. And so now... They're, they're saying, what, how am I going to cope? Many of them are frontline workers who, uh, while we consider them frontline workers, their jobs have not been called at this time. And so they're desperate to f- try to figure out what are they going to do. Mm-hmm. The governor has been unable to supply a very good answer. And, of course, it's not just him. It's the federal government, too, that he's looking to. So, Paris, does this put pressure on the governor's office then to, to get Illinois back open, at least more than it is already so that we can get folks back to work sure there's there's always been that pressure but also puts pressure on the governor's office to get the unemployment system working better i mean it's been riddled with problems for the entire year there's been fraud there's been people that can't uh, get access to it ironically these folks losing their unemployment it's a sign that the economy is improving because going down uh, unemployment rate below eight percent triggered uh, this sort of lapse in benefits so that is kind of light at the end of the tunnel, that, that things are getting better. But certainly, yes, the governor is going to face pressure to, to reopen. Until more people get vaccinated, I, you know, I don't know how much more the governor can go. We're, we're not going to have mass events. We're not going to have concerts in terms of sports. You know, you, you heard Mayor Lightfoot earlier this week talking about possibly there could be a small percentage of, of fans let back in stadiums for the baseball season. Yeah. That's Paris Schutz, reporter and host for WTTW. We are also joined on the recap this week by Marianne Ahern, political reporter for NBC5. Paris, Marianne, let's move on to some other stories like these. Nearly year-long closure and a long battle with the teachers' union, tens of thousands of Chicago public school students return to the classroom. Chicago's speed cameras around schools and parks will start issuing tickets to drivers who go over six miles over the speed limit. Indoor dining capacity now going to be at 50% in the city. Mayor Lightfoot and the Chicago Police Superintendent proposed several changes to the department's search warrant policy. All part of the fallout from that botched 2019 raid on Anjanette Young's home. So Chicago expanded indoor dining again this week. Restaurants and bars can now open to 50% capacity or up to 50 people. Marianne, why did the city make this move this week? 
The positivity rate is definitely much better, and that is the, the number of folks who are testing positive who take uh, COVID tests, and it is below or right around 2.9%, somewhere in there, below 3 And there has also been this call from the industry. You know, the restaurant industry has been saying, please, uh, while the rest of the state had opened up more, the city and the county had sort of held back a little longer to just make sure. And so, yes, there will be now 50% capacity capacity allowed while some might have been skirting the rules all along, but uh, now they can do so legally, as well as keeping the bars and restaurants open until 1 a.m. Is expanding indoor capacities combined with the weather warming up a possible recipe for cases to spike again, Paris? Yeah, I think that possibility definitely exists. And as Marianne said, there were places skirting the rules. Now with 50 percent capacity, I mean, how many places are going to skirt the rules even more? and pack the place and somehow justify it saying, well, this is 50% capacity. And, you know, those giant snowstorms over the last month kept people indoors. There was no place to go. I mean, it couldn't have not had some small impact on the COVID rate going down. And now, as you say, even though we're getting vaccinated, even though the rate is down, they still don't know enough about the variants. And we know that when, when restaurants and bars and other places opened up in the past, the rates did go up. In other Chicago news, the day lots of drivers were dreading is now here. New speed camera rules are in effect. Marianne, what are the new rules? Well, keep that lead foot down because <laughs> which I am are going to be I have such a heavy foot if they're going Boy. six to ten miles over the speed limit, and one hundred dollars if they're going beyond the the that if they're going eleven miles and, and more. This was proposed as as a budget way to to save some money for the city and 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 look for revenue. Some aldermen saying that it's nickel and diming Chicagoans. At the same time, the mayor said that the change was needed to reduce speeding and the number of people dying in car crashes had been rising as much as forty-five uh, percent in last year alone, which I thought was somewhat interesting in that not as many cars have even been out there because of the pandemic, and yet um, perhaps that had something to do with it because of the speeding. It does seem as if people are are, are really uh, zooming along those highways because there's not as much traffic. Do we have any more specifics, Paris, on, on where these cameras are located? Well, yeah, you can go onto the website, either CDOT or, or one of the city websites, and it gives you a map of where they're all located. But they're they're pretty equally spread all across the city. There's one near our studios that I've gotten caught on before. Oh. But, you know, <laughs> she is facing criticism from aldermen, especially on the south and west side, and it, it is regressive. But at the same time, most transportation experts do say speed cameras do improve crashes and accidents because they do force people to change their behavior. Another big story this week, Mayor Lightfoot proposed sweeping changes to how Chicago police obtain and implement search warrants after the wrongful raid on Anjanette Young's home. Paris, what's the story here? Well, I mean, these changes are going to be put out for public review for the next 15 days. They don't go as far as some aldermen wanted. And there's also an inspector general investigation right now, and the IG is going to put forth their own recommendations that might go further further than what Mayor Life had proposed with Police Superintendent Brown. But in short, basically, she wants to limit no-knock warrants, except for in cases where people are in danger. She wants to make sure that, you know, higher-level officials in the police department have to sign off on any search warrant. 
She wants to make sure that police have their body cameras operating uh, while they're doing this. And then uh, each search warrant or raid has to have at least one female cop with them because of the sensitivity issues here. Obviously, it was all men with uh, Anjanette Young, and, and it was a complete disaster with the way that she was treated. Bottom line, the superintendent says, we have to conduct these with dignity. Even if it's a drug kingpin that we're searching, we have to treat the person with dignity and, and, and not make the mistake that we made in the past. But it'll, be, it'll, it'll remain to be seen whether city council believes they go far enough. Yeah, how are the proposed changes actually being received by CPD, though, Paris? I haven't heard the kind of resistance to this that I've heard from some of the other reforms that the city wants to initiate with the police department. I don't think these are quite as controversial as some of the other reforms among the police department. And I think that most police officers saw that video and said, yeah, this was bad. Marianne Paris mentioned a moment ago the city council members may, may think that these proposals don't go far enough. Do they have room here to, to add to this? How could this play out? As this 15-day period before the final policy is implemented, uh, there perhaps some tweaks might be made to it, but it does seem to be somewhat set in stone. And that CPD did also uh, share their ideas with the court-ordered monitor that's overseeing CPD's federal consent decree. So they seem to have now, you know, now that they uh, have a debacle in front of them, they seem to have their ducks in a row. Although I, I do have to say, this is a, a female officer at every rate. I, I, I hope they have enough female officers um, to be able to, to do that. that. It does seem yeah. as if that's something that would be, wow. And obviously, most of these raids are planned ahead of time, and they would be able to say, all right, we, all, we need a lieutenant or hire as well present. Some of this is uh, sort of no-brainer. Like, why did it take this for you all to figure out that this is what you need? Jumping over to education, folks, uh, Monday, Chicago Public Schools welcomed kindergarten through fifth grade students back to the classroom for the first time in almost a year. And after a lengthy battle with the teachers union, even, you know, weather setbacks too. Marianne, how'd that all go? Well, you know, the school that they, of course, chose for the mayor to be at and Dr. Janice Jackson to be at on the north side, it um, had 50 percent of their students back. Not every school had that kind of attendance. But from what we saw of the kids that arrived, most of them were quite pleased to be there, their parents as well. There's changes, though. You know, to watch children walk in and have to have their temperatures taken and they're going to have to wear their mask. And and for the teachers, um, it is quite difficult. Not only are they teaching the students in front of them, they are teaching the students who are still at home. And this is not, of course, just Chicago Public Schools. This is happening across the country. It has been uh, a very, very challenging process for, for teachers and parents and all involved. Next Monday, we're going to see 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, so the middle schools, will be back in the classroom for the first time in nearly a year. Yeah, Marianne, you mentioned 6th, 7th, and 8th graders uh, as well. What about high school kids? Just now in the discussion stage, Jesse Sharkey, president of the union, hints at, yes, he would like to see, he does think in some form, and his suggestion is let's find those students who are not attending at all, who are not doing anything remotely, who are sort of off the grid. Let's make sure we get those students first back into high schools. 
you know, Marianne mentioned 50% attendance at the school that they chose, but overall, it's only about a third of kids going back. And those numbers are lower in communities of color. And I spoke with one, you know, Hispanic Latino parent whose daughter really wanted to go back to school. And he said, okay, well, you can either go to school or you can see grandma, but you can't do both because, you know, they live with grandma. So there's so many considerations that families in Chicago have to make. And there's a lot of pundits out there and columnists saying, get back to school, get back to school. That ignores the reality of what's happening on the ground and the very difficult choices and some of the reticence that families still feel uh, about the safety of sending their kids back. All right, before I let you both go, I want to end on a fun note because this week Chicago turned 184. What's your favorite thing about this great city? You first, Paris. Oh, my God, how do you ask me? (laughs) One thing, narrow it down. I will say, I mean, everything, but let's say Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan. Hi, you stole mine. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Marianne, give me something. All right, the restaurants. I mean, just to um, all the different kinds of great, fantastic neighborhood restaurants besides the lakefront, I guess, would be mine. A woman after my heart. I love food. (laughs) That's NBC5's Marianne Ahern and WTDW's Paris Schutz. Paris and Marianne, thanks so much for hanging out with us this week. And that's WBEZ's Weekly News Recap. Keep your eyes on this feed. Sunday morning, we drop the best weekly Q&A around the pandemic and the vaccines with Dr. Mia Teramina. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend, and we'll meet again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.